ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Jai Henley in his first appearance at the Tour de France. Henley's the hero and Henley is in yellow. Extraordinary. Something about that colour just looks good on Australians. When we asked Jai Hindley last week about his goals for Latour, he said finishing and being competitive. I reckon his expectations just shifted a touch. When asked by the European media to describe himself in the aftermath of that stage victory, he said he was left-handed and enjoyed smashed avo and flat whites. We can add to that list of likes shaking up cycling grand tours. So how did Hindley score a shock stage win? How is the cycling world reacting? And most importantly, how long can he stay in yellow? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Katie Bates is a former national champion, a Commonwealth Games champion. She hosts the excellent cycling podcast, The Wheelhouse. Katie, it's taken Jai Hindley less than a week to win a stage and get in the yellow jersey at the Tour de France. How did he do it on stage five? It's pretty sensational, isn't it? And and all in a tour that he uh, said he just hoped to be up in contention. To be honest, I think everybody expected a lot of fireworks uh, on stage five because it was the first real day in the mountains, but probably not from Jai Hindley, to be honest. Uh, I think he kind of snuck under the radar, but he has achieved so much already in his career. Uh, last year winning the Giro d'Italia, the, the first Aussie to ever do so. Hindley! He wins the Giro d'Italia. It has happened. And he did that also by flying under the radar a bit. I think it's kind of his unassuming nature, but also he has a real eye for strategy and he takes chances that a lot of team directors uh, possibly wouldn't even uh, empower their athletes to do. But I think he's found a really good home at his pro team at Bora Hansgrohe because they really support uh, the way he likes to ride and the, the risk that he likes to take and well, it keeps paying off. So I reckon he's doing a pretty good job of it, to be honest. Almost four hours of racing. Such a bold move to go so early. Certainly looks to be the case. I was on a press call with him last week and we asked him about the idea or his ideas around success for the event. And he talked about, as you say, just completing the race, just being competitive. And those expectations must have changed. How did he react uh, after the victory? Oh, it was such um, such a beautiful reaction. A few expletives, Patrick. Uh, you know, a few words across the finish line that didn't need any translating. They were certainly across every language. Just this incredible satisfaction. Yeah, I have no words. <laughs> really, I have no words. But his story's not like um, a lot of the Europeans. I mean, he's a kid that grew up watching the highlights on SBS, um, you know, in the evening and dreaming of one day being on the biggest stage in the world. And... Winning a Grand Tour, as he already has with the Giro, is one thing, but the Tour de France is just another. Everybody there is there on the best form of their year. And for him on debut, I think he just wanted to make sure that he performed to the level that he knew he could, which is Grand Tour winning. What a debut for his tour. At stage five in his first tour, he's going to take the stage win. I also think that he's pretty unassuming and he knows that just because you win one year, um, whether it be at the Giro or the Tour, you don't then come in with the ego and the expectation to win again. And we saw that last year actually at the Tour with uh, the big battle between um, the Danish Jonas Vingegaard 
and uh, of course Pogacar, the Slovenian reigning champion, and it all got turned upside down. And so I think for Jai, he's just the kind of rider who wants to come in, wants to do himself proud, he's country proud, um, and of course his fantastic family proud who, you know, he really credits with uh, being the backbone of, of what got him to this level in the first place. And that backbone was on hand to soak it all up incredibly. They got to see it all go down. Tell us about the role that they played on race day. Yeah, it's so cool. His parents are over there, Gordon and Robin, and uh, they've got some family friends with them. Of course, they've done the the really Aussie supporter (laughs) thing and they've got the T-shirt with his face plastered all over it and his name. So you couldn't miss them. What does the family think about this, uh, do you think? Um, Yeah, I mean... uh... I don't know. This one's for them. Uh, my girlfriend as well. Um, it's very cool. And they were actually uh, on the final climb of the day before they descended uh, down into the finish, cheering for him. And that was where he, he made his really big move uh, to go solo. So just what exceptional timing. But from the time that he was a kid dreaming of riding the Tour de France, his father in particular has literally taken him to Europe to get exposure to, to cycling. Uh, he and um, his mum have really supported every single step along the way, taking him to country races um, around Western Australia and then over to the East Coast as a kid and really fueling the fire. Yeah, it was just like having fun. And he's one of the Aussies as well that doesn't just set up shop in Europe and you know forget about home for the next uh, decade or so. He returns home as much as he can. He had a really tough time during COVID when he couldn't get back um, to spend time with his family. So this is an exceptionally um, important and poignant moment for the Hindley family that they can all be together uh, in this in this moment. Speaking of people who have an affinity with the yellow jersey, Cadell Evans, he was emotional speaking to ITV about Hindley's effort, which I think kind of speaks to the significance of this achievement. Can you just spell out how big a deal this is? Oh, it, it's, a, it's a massive deal. Cadell Evans is the only Australian to have ever uh, won the Tour de France. He did that in 2011. We've had eight Aussies who have worn the yellow jersey, but... Um, that's just been for periods during the race. Just two Aussies have won a Grand Tour. Cadell Evans here at the Tour de France in 2011. And last year at the Giro d'Italia, Jai Hindley. I also love that Cadell Evans got so emotional about it because it's such a privilege to get to the Tour de France. Oh, my God. Wow, that was in, in really impressive. And excuse my emotions coming through <laughs> a little bit. As an Aussie, it's a harder journey uh, than anybody else to be able to get there, even to compete. To then pull on the yellow jersey uh, at any point is incredible. But I also love that it, it speaks volumes about Cadell Evans that he doesn't see it as somebody kind of going in on his territory of being the Aussie who's won the Tour de France. He has so much passion for the sport and for the riders and watching um, the young ones come up. And I think a really special connection between um, Cadell and Jai is that Jai was a kid watching Cadell when he won 12 years ago and he will talk endlessly about how special it was for him to watch an Australian win the Tour de France and that was when for him it turned from I just want to be able to ride the Tour de France one day to daring to dream that he could actually win it. He raced with Panache and today in his first Tour de France, the first day in the mountains, it's Hindley who stands on top as a Tour de France stage winner. And so their paths and their journeys are really linked and it's 
beautiful, I think, that Cadell can be there um, for that moment. And I think we're going to then see in a decade another generation um, mm. of young riders. And now for the women as well, because they've got the Tour de France uh, femme coming up, who can dare to dream to actually pull the jersey onto their shoulders and, and win the damn thing. The spectators are banging the barriers and they're banging them for the Western Australian. And I think a fascinating aspect of watching the Tour de France is the way those contending across the board have to keep an eye on all the other contenders. So I wanted to say to you, I know that he's unassuming, but how is it a bloke who has won the Giro d'Italia is allowed to get in a break on this stage, allowed to get in a position to steal yellow? Does that speak to you that maybe the peloton is underestimating his abilities? They're underestimating his abilities, I think, because he really rose to prominence uh, at the Giro d'Italia two years in a row where there was a bit of COVID affected and people were almost not zoned in to the potential of um, what was going on for the riders up and coming. And I think that that's part of the wave that has helped him. But I also think that everybody's so focused on Yumbo versus UAE, which is the team of the um, winner from last year, Jonas Vingago, and the winner from the year before today, Pogacar. Everybody's looking at those two riders and their teams and what they will do. And what Jai did really successfully and with the support of his team, Bora, is to take the opportunity to go in a break that was so big that they thought, oh, you know, it's not, he's not enough of a threat for us to worry about chasing. He's taken a big risk on the stage today, but fortune favours the brave. But the really big advantage I think that nobody saw coming was by doing that, he not only won the stage, Jai, but he took the yellow jersey. Today, Pogacar also lost time to Jonas Vingegaard. So now instead of having two favourites that we expect to battle to the very end, we've now got a guy we don't know about his form in Pogacar. We've got Vingegaard, who's obviously climbing well and going well, but we've got Hindley all of a sudden. And that I think that that will allow some other teams as well to take a bit of a chance to think, oh, well, the race is split open now. Hindley winning the stage, Ciccone in second, Gaul in third. It was then Bookman. The top four all in the breakaway today. Everybody's come in expecting a two-horse race, and now um, we've got, you know, a full Melbourne Cup field mm. out there, which is pretty cool. And I also reckon that for some reason, and I don't know why, Patrick, but they just always underestimate the Aussies. <laughs> always. It's, it's, it's like they think that... We don't quite have it in us. And, um, yeah, it's, it's quite fun, I think, actually, when the Europeans go, oh, goodness, OK. And, uh, yeah, they've certainly done that now. From the Alps of Victoria to the Pyrenees of France, Hindley is a success story. The yellow jersey's made of lycra, so when they talk about it weighing heavily, they're actually talking <laughs> about the weight of expectation. So <laughs> yes. how, how is Jai Hindley going to cope with being the hunted? What's realistic from here? How big can we dream? Oh, you know what? He is one of the coolest cucumbers in the whole bunch. Jai, just sensible, calm. We didn't see him till it really mattered, and look what it's bought for him. He just takes it in his stride, and I think that's because he's already far exceeded the dreams he had as a child and, um, and, and what he could do and where he could go. So I think he's in pretty good shape. The only thing I'll flag from, from what I watched last night, and tonight's stage six will be a really interesting one, is Jonas Vingago is climbing exceptionally well. Uh, but when it comes to 
um, resilience and, you know, preparedness to fight and not really worry about the expectations. I think that, uh, that Jaya comes in better than anyone. We've been lobbying Basil Zempillis, Patrick, the Mayor of Perth, <laughs> to pre-commission a statue for him uh, just in case. So um, let's see if that gains any momentum. What a performance by the West Australian. I look forward to that campaign <laughs> gaining momentum. Uh, some late nights ahead, Caddy Bates. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. Headlines. We're on the cusp of the third men's Ashes test, and while England has confirmed its 11, intrigue surrounds Australia. The questions are as follows. Would they rest Cam Green for Mitch Marsh and Josh Hazelwood for Scott Boland? Green bowled 22 overs in the Lord's win, and there's concerns he might need to be managed, while Hazelwood's last outing was the first time he's played consecutive tests since the last Ashes series. Will they risk him for three on the bounce? We will soon find out, and you can catch every ball live and free on the ABC Listen app as the two sides do battle for the spirit of cricket. I mean the Ashes, the Ashes. First Lords, now Wimbledon, anti-oil activists were arrested at the All England Club. The protesters invaded Court 18 and littered it with puzzle pieces and confetti. Once more, orange clouds hang over a British sporting event this summer. While Johnny Bairstow was not available to apprehend the protesters, they were eventually dragged off court. Daria Saville was playing at the time of the disruption. The Aussie was leading the opening set tiebreak, but ended up losing that and never recovered. Ultimately bounced from the tournament in straight sets. She was not a lone Australian in defeat. Jordan Thompson was beaten by Novak Djokovic in straight sets. And Alexi Popram was defeated in five by Dominic Stricker. And the AFL has been working with police forces across multiple states after a Google Drive link was shared across social media featuring nudes of more than 45 current and past players. Many of the images are unverified, but the players involved have been notified. Weird and creepy. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Joel Casson. Thanks to SBS, ITV and the BBC for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.